Amen. We celebrate the fact that that happened because there is a spirit of Antichrist. And John tells us that any spirit that would deny that Jesus came in the flesh, that God manifests in the flesh, in Jesus, would be the spirit of Antichrist. So you say, well, I don't do that. But this time where we say he was born into the earth as a man, we are declaring, we are coming against that spirit of Antichrist and saying he was born into the earth. He did come as a man to redeem our life. Amen? And so, uh, you know, I don't know what your calendar says, but that's what we're celebrating at this time of year. Amen. And so uh, we're not celebrating something else. We're celebrating Jesus. So that's good news. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, welcome. Once again, welcome everybody here. Uh, right now, we want to uh, take that opportunity. Uh, look in uh, Acts chapter 1, if you have your Bible. Um, Acts, the first chapter. Jesus, as he ascended uh, and, and really sent the, the Holy Spirit, was preparing in Acts chapter 1. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth all over the earth. And uh, so today, this morning, we are going to receive our missionary uh, Christmas bonus offering. And you all have been uh, uh, extremely generous and, um, uh, in years past. We're so grateful for our missionaries. We're so grateful for really a, a worldview that God gave us. You know, um, we had a couple of missionaries, but God really involved us in missions about two years after we began to, to pastor. And what I noticed is we got involved in the world. God got involved with us here. Yeah. There's always just something about that. And so, you know, even all, all of your giving, your generosity, you know, we have uh, uh, things going on in feeding the poor, the extended table. We have New Creation Churches Night, but then we have uh, God's Beloved, um, uh, Vanessa here, God's Beloved. They have a night there. Isaiah 61, uh, Leslie and Junior Venegas, they have uh, a night. So just from New Creation Church, we have a number of nights that we're feeding the poor. Also in the jails, we're ministering to prisoners. We have our jail ministry, but they're also doing Celebrate Recovery in the jails, ministering there uh, through those same two ministries. And so there's ministries that we're doing uh, here, but also from here, members of the body doing things. And so locally, we're doing things. Regionally, we've planted churches and, and different things within uh, the United States. But uh, this is where uh, we're, we're missionaries that have gone into the world or into regions of the world. We have missionaries that we have on college campuses uh, throughout the state and even into uh, the United States, uh, missionaries that are on college campuses, mi missionaries in other parts of the world. And so uh, because they live off of uh, uh, just monthly support. And they're, they're not necessarily working a job to supply and, and that. So we just, uh, I had in my heart years ago that they're just getting that monthly support. And uh, at Christmas time, you know, they're, they're on a fixed income. But we could just say, you know what, thank you. We couldn't go. God didn't call us to go. But we get our hands and feet into different parts of the world where maybe the gospel has not been preached um, where they don't have leadership training, and, and we're, we're able to have a part in that through the missionaries that have gone. And so uh, it's a way to say thank you. It's a way to, to bless them at this time of year and hopefully bless them that they might be a, a, a little bit greater blessing if they desire to uh, you know, give gifts to their family or something. It gives them a little extra other than their, their monthly support. So if you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, you can raise your hand. If you want to give by text, the number is up there. If you're watching online, you want to participate in this uh, missionary 
Christmas bonus, you can go on to our website and go to the Give button there and um, uh, follow the prompts and just put uh, a missionary offering or bonus offering, and uh, we'll make sure that we distribute that to our missionaries, and uh, I believe that they will be mightily blessed. Amen? And so we let you know ahead of time, uh, 2 Corinthians says that, you know, if we purpose in our heart what we're going to give. If you give uh, sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. So each one gets to give as they purpose in their heart. There's no pressure, right? God loves a cheerful giver. Right? And he's able to make all grace abound towards you that you have an all-sufficiency in everything or able to give to every charitable donation. Sometimes people say, I wish I could give. Well, if you start a plan of giving, just whatever's in your heart. It might not be what you want to give, but you start there. God begins to give more seed to the sower, bread for food. He increases the fruit of your righteousness. Right? And he starts to really in that develop his heart in you so that you have generosity. Praise the Lord. And generosity is not just with finances. God will put something in you that you're generous with your time. You're generous with the, the gifts that God's put in your life. You're generous uh, financially. You're just generous with a kind word. I mean, he just make you generous. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So um, do we hand out all those envelopes and stuff? Yep. Are we ready? Yep. All right. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Tony, why don't you come up here and pray over this offering? She's a missionary. She's going to receive it. So um, she can pray over the increase of that just for herself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just think it'll be good. You pray for the missionaries and pray for the people as they give. Amen. I thank you so much for a, a, a heart of generosity, a heart for those that, that others are not reaching or, or that we don't see every day. I thank you, Father, for your blessing on this offering that each one who gives, Father, you're multiplying it back to them. As Pastor Mark said, when we lift up our eyes to the harvest, uh, your harvest, you take care of things in our house. And so I speak that blessing on this offering. I pray, Lord, that you'd multiply it to those who give it and also to those who receive it, Father, and to those that they're ministering to, that this will be a, an anointed breakthrough offering for prosperity and increase in your kingdom at home and in the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. You can take that back there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can open your Bibles. Uh, to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, we're going to continue our series on uh, divine connections, covenant relationships. Um, I believe that's very important as we talk about Christmas, as we talk about Jesus coming. As I just said, he came for this divine purpose. He came so that we might not only be redeemed, but enter into a divine covenant with him. And that covenant with him is not, it really takes away the striving and the, 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 the trouble that goes on. When we talk about the joy of the Lord being our strength, joy to the world. When we talk about, you know, uh, the events of Christmas and, 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 you know, the angels showing up and all the supernatural things that took place, God really, we see the, uh, if you will, this might be a, a, a lame ex explanation, we see the effort of God on our behalf to let us know how much he loves us, how much he wanted a relationship, an unbreakable relationship with us. 
And the unbreakable relationship, there's all kinds of relationships that can be broken, but when you understand covenant, and then you understand the covenant love or covenant mercy, loving kindness that goes into that divine covenant with God, then you know it's unbreakable, just as the Apostle Paul knew that it was unbreakable, and he said in Romans the 8th chapter, he said, there's nothing nothing. I don't care what it is. It could be financial distress. It could be persecution. It could be uh, whatever comes, a demonic attack. He said, angels, principalities, power, not things present or things to come. Life, death, any other created thing, famine, peril, nakedness, or sword. He said, nothing, nothing that I encounter could ever separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. And so when we look at this, when we celebrate, we're, we're looking at this time uh, of Christmas, we are saying, listen, this is an expression of God's love that ended in a covenant relationship with him, an unbreakable bond from God's perspective, right? And it's not just a, a relationship you know, as, as we looked at and we talked about covenant in the natural where we come face to face, but in that face to face encounter, there is something supernatural that takes place that we come and as he came and was face to face with Abraham that we join, we leave our sin and, and he comes to the earth and he dies, he's, he's buried, he goes to hell, he comes back. So the place where we were back to back. We now take that figure eight, we take that circle and we come face to face, but the supernatural happens that we don't just stand face to face. We're not just trying to please God out here, but all of a sudden in that face to face encounter, we merge by covenant into one. We take that next step from face to face and we, by faith, step into him and he comes into us, his very life in us to strengthen us. And give us the life he intended from the very beginning. To transform us from a nature of sin which distorts really who we are. To bring his very life and his nature breathe back on the inside of us. That we might be everything that he created us to be. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, praise the Lord. Before I get into this, I just want to say uh, to every single December birthday, happy birthday. And I want to tell you that God is always faithful. And for every present that you have missed, (laughs) that people just said, this is for your birthday and Christmas. July birthdays never get that. This is for birthday and Christmas. God was watching. And somewhere in eternity, you're going to get your birthday present from him. I don't know what it's going to look like, but God's always faithful. So my heart goes out to you, and happy birthday. <laughs> I'm just having fun with you. No, don't do that. Come on now. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday comes tomorrow. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> it's all right. You can sit down. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. I wasn't, I wasn't saying that. I was just having compassion. We weren't really complaining. I was just helping my fellow 
December birthdays. So Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 20th verse, it says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Say it again with me, the everlasting covenant. Come on, it's forever and ever. There's that covenant. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. In that covenant relationship, it's a divine covenant. It means that everything that you have, everything that you are, belongs to your covenant partner. Everything that you have and everything that you are belongs to him. But he didn't stop there. He said, now I'm a covenant partner. Everything that I am and everything that I have now belongs to you. Praise the Lord. So we belong to him. He belongs to us. There's a divine nature. Every promise of God, Peter said in his second letter, every promise of God was leading to this one thing. Every promise that he ever made through history, every promise that he made to get Jesus into the earth, to live, to die, to raise from the dead, every promise for us culminated in this one thing, that we might be partakers of the divine nature, that we might partake of his very nature. And when we partake of his very nature, it totally obliterates, breaks every yoke of bondage totally discards the nature of sin birthed through Adam's disobedience. We receive God's obedience, and we partake of his divine nature. So we're heirs of his. We're sons and daughters. We're born again, right, with his DNA, his life, his nature. So we're heirs of his, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So in our inheritance, we have everything that God has provided for us. Everything that pertains to life and godliness belongs to us through the experiential knowledge of him, knowing him through experiencing that relationship with him, not just knowing about him, but knowing him, knowing him. So it's powerful, that covenant that we have with him. So we're talking about five ingredients to every divine covenant or, or divine connection. We're, we're talking about three uh, divine connections. They're, they're, they're God-ordained covenants. And so the first, the first ingredient is it's a God covenant. It's transcendent. It's superior to any other thing because God is in it. Because it's God's designed, it's God-defined. So there's some things people have tried to incorporate, right? You can't just define your relationship with God. God can't be the God you want him to be. God is the God he is. And when you accept God in who he is to you, it's life transforming. If you're trying to find the God that you imagined him to be, it becomes idol worship, and you're outside of that covenant. Because God's not who you want him to be. God is who he is. Right? So we have to be careful in that relationship. Well, my God. I mean, you could read something in the scripture and say, well, God says this about this. Well, well, my God wouldn't say that to me. Oh, he did already. You might not like what he said, but he already said it. He, doesn't, he won't discard it just because you don't like it. He won't change it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. 
His word is forever settled in heaven. Right? So marriage is God-defined. God created, God-defined. So right now, people are trying to define what marriage should be. But based on God's definition, you can't have gay marriage. Because he created man and woman. Right? So when we just look at the practical aspects, the, the enemy's just trying to complicate everything by emotion and by feeling. But to really have that covenant and be under the un- umbrella of that covenant, which is divine, divinely created, divinely organized, divinely instituted, then it has to come under his definition of that. Right? So you say, well, people can define Yes, they can define it however they want, but the power of it is diminished. The protection of it is diminished. The union of it is diminished. So people will say, well, I can define it however I want. You can, but it won't. Then, then you'll begin to say, well, why isn't this working for me? Well, you come outside of that. The church, we're trying to define how the church should be. But God instituted the church. He gave us instructions about the church, how we ought to conduct ourselves, right? Paul told Timothy, uh, really in all uh, his whole letter, he said, I'm telling you this so you might know how to conduct yourself in the house or the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God gave instruction because it's a, a divine plan, a divine connection. We're joined in these areas through a covenant relationship, really through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so that the, the first thing is that it is uh, transcendent. Number two, we started into this that all the, the covenants that God has set up have a chain of command. A chain of command. Y'all just stay with me back there because while I was worshiping, he, he changed a bunch of scripture, but we'll get to the ones that I gave to you, all right? So uh, why don't you all give them a hand? The, the ones on the media, most of the teachers give them a list and all that, and they just stay with their list and teach it. I give them a list, and by the time I come up here, it usually changes. So they do an awesome job uh, to keep up with what we're doing here. But turn over to Proverbs chapter 4 for a minute. Uh, In looking at this and wanting to get to this chain of command and this authority that we have, I believe that it's very critical that we understand a component of this that is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And so Proverbs, the fourth chapter, Proverbs, the fourth chapter And the 20th verse, it says, My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Now, really, if we look at it, we're talking about family relationship, marriage into family relationships, being covered in relationships. So he is, Solomon is writing a letter or speaking to his son, and he's saying, you listen to my words. Well, why? Because he's about to transmit what he got from God to his son. So important was it that God had this put into the scriptures so that we could say, this is what God's saying to me as a son, but really Solomon was saying it to his son. And the power of his words to his son obeying them was so powerful. Why? Because God declared it to Solomon. Solomon passed it to his son. If his son would listen, it would have all the power that God ordained for it to have, not only for Solomon to walk in, but for his son to walk in. Passed down a chain of command. So he said, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, health to all their flesh, 
So keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the paths of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So he said, listen, get my word down on the inside of you, protect it, and then begin to act upon it, not upon everything else. So when we talk about authority, we talk about chain of command. The authority comes down and is passed through a chain of command. But the word of God is incredibly important when we talk about authority. The word of God is incredibly important when we talk about authority. So just stay with me. John, the first chapter, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. Later on, he says, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld all of his splendor and all of his glory, right, But Jesus was the manifestation, the living, walking, breathing manifestation of what God had declared since man fell from his presence. He said, the seed of woman will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And Jesus was the manifestation of what God had said, living and breathing. Not a made up life, but a manifestation of God's word. Manifestation of God's word. So the word is incredibly, incredibly important. Incredibly, incredibly powerful. Turn over to Matthew, the eighth chapter. Matthew, the eighth chapter. The fifth verse says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. We talked about this last week, if you were here. I will come and heal him. In other words, Jesus had many people saying, come, come. I need you here. I need you here. I need you to be there. I need you to lay hands on him. I need this, this coming here. I need this physical manifestation in order for me to understand and believe. But the centurion took it to a different level. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found so great faith, not even in Israel. He said, there is a powerful faith joined to the understanding of a chain of command or how authority flows. And so as we talk about this chain of command in a covenant relationship, we like to think and we're, we're generally taught and, and trained in our culture and society. You know, when somebody gets to be the head of something, they get to be the boss, And in being the boss, we see a number of different things, uh, uh, rules and enforcement that take place. And under under natural leadership where sin abounds, you always have to have leadership by enforcement. 
Because of selfishness, people will do whatever they want to do, no matter how it affects someone else. So you have to create guidelines, and then because people will go outside of them for selfishness, you have to have consequence and to enforce them. But God's design is leadership by example. Leadership by example. Such a powerful, powerful leadership that he has brought. So the chain of command is in word and in deed. In word and in deed. Right? And so we understand in these three categories that we're talking about these divine connection, there is spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership. So, because natural leadership, it seems like the submitted one or the, the person under authority is the one who has no strength, no power, and so they're abused. But in, natural, in spiritual leadership, the submitted one is the one really who ha- holds all the cards to what will happen next. So the enemy's tried to make us afraid of authority because of natural leadership, that I'm going to have all these consequences, I'm going to, I'm going to have this enforced upon me, I'm going, to, I'm going to have somebody ruling and reigning over my life, holding me under thumb, but really God said, no, I don't want anybody oppressed, that's what the devil does. So leadership has to be done by what Jesus said, is he said, I say what the Father's commanded me to say. Why? Because if the Father commanded it to the Son, the Son to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to put it in this this transition, as the Bible says, the Holy Spirit to man, the man to woman, and then it carries out to the family, and the families live it out and declare it into society. You're taking hold of everyone who will hear, believe, and act. Why? Because the authority is released in the obedience of the word. It's just too simple. It's just too simple. The enemy has so complicated it through sin. Right? But Jesus said this, right? In his temptation, where the enemy said, come on, man, you're hungry. You are hungry, and you got power. You could turn these stones into bread and fulfill your own desire for hunger right now. Come on, man. Do it for yourself. And Jesus didn't say, no, I'm just going to take authority over everything. He said, no, man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So hearing the word, understanding it, and putting it into application is that place where you understand true power and authority over the enemy. And he's an enemy of your soul, and he is the father of all lies. So our battle is not with personalities. 
Our true battle is with whatever personality, whatever circumstance, whatever view to us, the enemy begins to say, that person, that thing, that circumstance, that financial situation is going to destroy your life. It's going to mess you up. It's going to not allow you to have what you want to have. It's going to take your joy from you. It's going to destroy you in some way. And we begin to believe it and act upon that lie. So the ignorance of the word for many believers has rendered us powerless. And God knew that. He said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Yet Bibles everywhere are collecting dust. And people are wondering, where is God? Why is this happening? I go to church. Why is this trouble in my life? And then we begin to talk about the trouble, never knowing how to speak to it. Never knowing how to be spoken to and receive. We've got our eternal defenses up. Don't you tell me. Yet God has set in a chain of command that somebody would tell you. Not just tell you whatever they want. Not give you a piece of their mind. Not tell you the emotion of the day. But speak what God has said. So as one submitted in a chain of command, if you receive what God has said and believe it and ask the Holy Spirit to make it life, make it action to you, the release in that action will show immediately the power and authority of that. So this is always a big one with me. Forgiveness. So much in our life gets locked up with offense and forgiveness. We try to deny it. We try to say we don't have it all the while. The enemy works it into our life. I don't know how to do that. You don't know what's happening. We make all kinds of reasons. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what's done. But just to receive, Jesus forgave me. He forgave me. He told parables about it. If you've been forgiven, yet you won't forgive. Creates a big problem. So just go ahead and forgive. Don't have anything against anybody. Well, that'll be so hard for me. You don't know how hard it'll be. Right. You're being dominated by the offense. You're being overcome by it. You, you even say, I can't do anything about it. You, you admit, I'm powerless. But God says, no, you're not powerless. I spoke this word. I spoke this word. And if it'll be spoken to you, and you'll receive it, and you will forgive, you just took authority and command over that offense. What that person did to you can never rule your life ever again. But if you don't obey that word, you don't receive that word, it will continue to mess with your life. So the word's powerful. When we talk about chain of command, the command, the word comes down from him. From him. So for every husband, for every situation. So let's just go catch up on some of these scriptures. You're looking at me like, you know, 
Maybe I'm not telling you the truth, but I am. (laughs) Trying to make it so simple. So simple. Help anybody in authority just be released into freedom. Take time to get to know the word. Ask God to help you in application of the word. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, leaders over you, follow their faith. Why? Because if they're living what they said they would live, then you can follow that. They're not perfect. You're going to find mistakes, but then you'll learn some things about that. Just getting ahead of myself, getting over there. Paul said there's coming a day when all kinds of trouble will be there because of selfishness and and people disregarding God and and loving themselves and loving pleasure and being greedy and being disobedient to parents. He said there's all kinds of trouble that's going to come. And Paul said, listen, in this day, I exhort you, Timothy, as a leader in the body of Christ, preach the word. Be ready to preach it in season and out of season because there's coming a day when the body of Christ will heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears, wanting to hear what they want to hear that makes them feel good. And he said, there's no power in just telling them what they want to hear. You tell them what I've said, and if they'll receive it, they'll overcome the strategy of the enemy. Whatever you words you speak that you've heard with a conviction that you can find in God's word and you speak it by faith and you command that at the situation, it has to change. When you speak it to yourself and say, listen, so you get up and you bless the Lord. You don't forget his benefits. Listen, soul, I don't care how you feel about that. We are forgiving. We are giving. We are loving. Listen, we're going to get in the presence of God right now because you're a little bit overwrought. And so we're going into prayer until we have peace. And we're going to get a peace that passes all understanding. And we're going to walk in that peace. We're not going to give place to anxiety and stress, which will create worry and doubt and unbelief and be overcome by something that is a lie. But we're going to get the peace of God and we're going to see it clearly. Now, so listen to me, straighten up. Because we're going to obey the word. We're going to live the word here. And one thing affects another. And affects another. All right, so listen. Starts with Jesus. So we'll just we'll we'll help you with this these three and then I oh man all right First Corinthians eleven verse three he said but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man and the head of man is uh, head of Christ is God so if we went backwards God told Jesus what to say we'll look at this Jesus said what Jesus told him to, or God told him to say the Holy Spirit tells what Jesus and God said to say every man should tell his wife what God told him to say not what he wants to say every wife and husband together should teach their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord so they'll grow in it then every family should join in the church the leaders of the church preach the word the body receives the word acts on the word we affect culture All by the word, not by emotion, not by feeling, not by reason. So God brought the word. Why? He brought the word because even in the beginning, he said, here's my word. Don't eat that tree. 
If you eat that tree, you'll die. But if you don't eat that tree, watch what's going to happen in you being fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God said, I want to speak the word to you. I want you to obey it. And I want you to live by revelation, not by reason. Come on, God wants us to live by revelation, which means I trust you, I believe, I'm going to obey, and when I take a step of obedience, the knowledge of him begins to open up. Revelation of his power. But if we stop and say, I'll do that if and when it feels right, or what you said not to do, I can't see any reason why I wouldn't do it, except... You said not to. Is this helping anybody? Come on, I want to be talking at you. I I don't want to oversimplify it, but I don't want to overcomplicate it. It's the word. But we're struggling a lot because we don't really know the word. A lot of people get born again and they go straight to Revelation. Oh my God, have mercy. Come on, if you're going to read the Bible, if you haven't been reading the Bible for a while, go to John. Start in John. Figure out who Jesus is, what Jesus did. Simply get to know Jesus through the Gospels. Then go to Ephesians and find out who you are and how you're blessed in him and how he immersed you in the church and how the church is supposed to make known to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God and how you're not fighting against one another, but the enemy is there and you have authority over him. Learn that. When you get all that, then maybe dive into the Old Testament, dive into Revelation, dive in, but get to know who Jesus is and who you are in Christ and who the church is in the world, and then find out the history of it. Because God said some things, and Jesus said some things, and Jesus even said, there's some things that God told me that I'm not ready to tell you yet, but after I go... And the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be ready to know what I would tell you, but you wouldn't get it until you're full of the Holy Ghost. But once you're full of the Holy Ghost, he'll tell you, and then you'll get it. Because he'll tell you what comes from me. And then if you take what's from me, and you tell it, so this is what he said. He said, I've not, verse uh, John 12 Verse 49 and 50, he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. In John 14, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So he said, this word now has produced an action. The word that God spoke to me that's in me has now produced an action. A living word. An alive word. Word lived out. The word lived out. Come on, the truth lived out immediately takes ascendancy and authority over the lie. John 16, he, still, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he speaks. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. 
Ephesians chapter 5 says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church was subject to Christ, so let wives be to their husbands in everything. So how was Christ head over the body? He spoke what the word, what God said. He gave himself to the will of God and to the word of God. If a husband truly wants to be the head of his home, he takes responsibility to learn the word, to know the word, to himself be obedient to the word, to act out the word before his wife and his children so that they might see and understand an action of the word so that he can come by the word of God and say, we're not going to take that offense. We're not going that direction. We're not going to make that decision. Well, why wouldn't we, darling? Let me show you what the word says. And together they can look and say, what you're telling me is surely what God has said. And if we obey his word, things will happen. He says, listen, husband, you should speak over your wife. You should wash her, cleanse her with the water of the word. Nurturing and cherishing her just as the Lord does the church. You know, there's just... This might be a weak analogy, and, and, and it's really just something that God did in me. And as I've been praying about this this week, you know, <clears throat> many of you know that Tasha's a few years younger than I am. <clears throat> and when we began to spend a little bit of time together, um, <clears throat> I had a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look that way now, but I'm just going back. Back to the future. And so uh, I was in a time of prayer. I was like, oh, my God, I, I, I have feelings for this girl. She's way too young. Can't do that. What's going on here? Help me, Jesus. I'm in my little one-room apartment. I used to live above Daily Bread, this one-room apartment. The bathroom was at the end of the hall. Prosperity hasn't always been mine. Uh, <laughs> and I remember I was sitting in there, and I was like, man, this is, if I give place to this, this is incredibly uh, problematic. <laughs> As I looked at it, what people would think, what they would say. And while I'm praying, I just saw this mini vision. I saw her, but I saw this fire on the inside of her. And I had this peace that God had called us together and he had a call on her life. And that I was supposed to speak to that call. And from that time, I, I have told her, you have a call in your life. Now, there was a lot of mistakes that I made along the way. But I have spoken to that. It says nurture and cherish that. To bring that along to the best of my ability. God doing God's part. But I can tell you, the teacher that she is now, I sit and I'm very proud of. Like I'm in. Thank, thank God. But there was a day that you all don't know about. That I was saying, and she was like, eh, don't want to. She told me one day, she said, don't think I'm going to be like that. I am, the, I am a pastor's wife, and I will stay and take care of our children, raise our children. I am a pastor's wife. And I said, but there's a gift in the inside of you. This is who I am. Then ministers would come and say, there's more on the inside of you. And the week after that got very troublesome. Because she did not want to. It created tension in her. But as she started to see, and the Spirit of God began to minister, and that was confirmed and reaffirmed. That gift began to develop and grow. 
speaking the word. In the church, I can speak to my desire for you. I believe God put it there. Is to preach the word. To see the gifts in you, to nurture them, to, to bring them up, not without mistake, but to understand that God has a plan. To speak the word, not just speak what we want to hear, but what is God saying to us? The reason that we're talking about this divine connection right now, at this period of time, I know no other thing except for God said, I want you to let my people know the intimacy, the power, and the covenant relationships that I have ordained for them to have, because it will be ultimate victory in their life. I'll say this over and over again, and and it's always, uh, you take a chance. I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm not trying to just listen to myself talk. I'm doing my best to deliver what God has put into my heart, to bring the word so that you would understand this covenant that you have with God. That in that you would say, I have a covenant with God every time the enemy tries to come and tell me I don't, I do. What that means to me is everything that God has ordained for me to have and belongs to me is found in him, not outside of him. And if I could live in him, breathe in him, move in him and him in me, knowing the power of that covenant, the power of that divine connection, the relation of that divine connection, where does the power go? In yielding to him and his word and his word is truth and it's life and it's health and it's strength to my bones, to my marrow, to my heart, to my life. That if I can embrace that and have that and speak that over my family, over my wife, over my church, over my fellow believers and speak that word and declare that word and converse with that word, I'm speaking authority. I'm speaking power so that everyone who receives it and they understand a chain of command When the devil comes, they know that he is not here. He is here. And that if God said it to me and I say it to you, or I say it to a circumstance, or I speak it to a lie, that word has power over the lie. I'm not trying to say it. I know he's spoken it to me. And when it's in my heart, as I've received it from him, as I've received it from the person in authority over me, as I have received it, I deliver it. So if I receive it on a wing and a prayer, a hope so, maybe so, think so, then I deliver it with a hope so, think so, maybe so. And the devil says, but when I receive it as life-changing, And it changes my life. And I speak it with conviction and authority. He must bow to God's word in the name of Jesus. And when he bows, it's because he knows that you are not just saying it, but you are living it out. And the motion you are about to take is in my living and speaking, I'm about to put my foot on your neck. I'm not just thinking about it. It's in me, and I'm doing it. I'm just telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, I am forgiving. And in that forgiveness, his strategy is squashed. I'm just going to tell you right now, 
You've been dealing with me about me, 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 but I'm just about to unleash some love on some people instead of me. And he's like, oh my God, no, it's about you. It's about you. No, it's not about me. It's about them. Okay, I'm done. I... Sorry, Father. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you, God. Help us. Help me, Lord. Help me to articulate. In some sensibility, God, help. I just release it to you. Minister to every heart, every life. Teach us, Holy Spirit. So powerful. So powerful. Come against every lie of the enemy. Help us to embrace the truth like we never have before. Your word. Not for our own benefit, not to twist in our own way, but God, reveal your word to us. That it would come down and settle in our heart. You said out of the abundance of our heart, we would speak. And in every area where you put us in a place of authority, we speak your word. Give us ears to hear that we might embrace it in the way that you want us to so that the next time the enemy comes to dissuade, to tempt, to pull, we not only act upon, we not only speak, but we both speak and do your word. Establishing a foundation that will never be toppled. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, thank you for sending Jesus, the living, breathing manifestation, example to us of the Word made flesh, lived out, proving it has authority over the devil and all that he brings. So bring us into that Christ-likeness. Bring it to our remembrance as we celebrate your birth, seeing the whole plan. The plan of your birth was that we become like you through a divine covenant relationship. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you got something out of that. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be altar workers up here to pray with you and to stand with you. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're like, I just need something. Come up, ask them. They'll show you the scripture. They'll pray with you. You can make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Enter into that divine covenant, fellowship, and relationship with him today. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand up? Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus.